So uh, today we are in part two of our message series called Worldview. And uh, last week, Trent did an amazing job of kicking off this series and helping us all to understand that regardless of what we believe, we have a worldview. Now, what is a worldview? Well, here's the definition of a worldview. A worldview is a person's perspective, viewpoint, or opinion about how the world works, each person's place in it, and how people should live in it. Now, isn't it amazing how much uh, change happens in time? Like if we did this series like six years ago, people's viewpoint at that point would have been like, hey, don't tell me uh, what's right or wrong. Like everybody's right, okay? And so you can tell people what is uh, true or not. You can tell people like how to behave. You can tell people how to live. You can tell people what truth is. And that's still somewhat true today. But uh, hasn't things changed a lot in our culture? I mean, today, everyone is taking sides, okay? Haven't we like drawn the uh, line in the sand over politics? I mean, haven't we drawn the line in the sand over race? Haven't we drawn the lines in the sand over COVID? Haven't we drawn the lines in the sand with sexuality, uh, with uh, social media? And so at this point, like everyone is like taking sides and people are clearly shouting out like, hey, they have no problem with saying, you know, this is right and this is wrong. They will tell you, like people will tell you, they have a viewpoint of like what the truth is. They will, uh, people have a viewpoint of uh, how you should live, how you should behave. And so at this point, like everyone has a side that they're taking. And ultimately this, this is what they say about truth. Ultimately, doesn't everyone now have a definition of truth these days, these days for their side. And yet, who's right? Who's wrong? And yet, they can't all be right at the same time. And so, regardless of what you believe, it's like, how do we navigate these times? Like, um, what should our worldview be during these times? Because people are taking sides, and that's not going to like slow down anytime soon. So what should we do? How should we respond? Now, as Christ followers, people are watching how we respond. Trent last week did a great job of showing us that as Christ followers, like people don't like Christ followers. And the reason they don't like Christ followers is because we say certain things and then we behave differently. And they don't like that. In fact, they often know what our worldview or our viewpoint should be and that we should hold to it. And so when they don't see us live that out, they are like, hey, you guys like, aren't even living out your beliefs. So today, this is what we're going to dive into. There's two questions. And the first question that we're gonna dive in today and wrestle with is, what is the worldview that Christ followers should have about truth? And what are the truths that should guide us? And here's the cool thing. If you're like checking out this whole God thing, if you're watching online and everything, God invites you into this conversation. He invites all of us into this conversation. It's a conversation that God wants to have about truth with everyone, with all of us. And here's the second question that we're gonna be wrestling with. We're gonna be wrestling with what is Christ's view of truth? And when we come to understand that, it's going to be amazing with how much that helps everyone. 
And so today we're gonna dive into uh, your Bibles. We're gonna pull out your Bibles, if you would, and your smartphone devices, and turn with me to John chapter eight, verse six. In your Bibles, we've got a lot of ground to cover Um, So if you don't have a Bible, always feel free to have one from the back as our gift to you. Um, And then also I wanna encourage you to always download the YouVersion Bible app to your smartphone device. It is a great tool that helps you to read scripture. You can even listen to it on your way to work. Uh, It also has tons of helps for you to be able to understand scripture. And so I just wanna encourage you to download the YouVersion Bible app. And, uh, but I'll give you a moment, excuse me, to turn to John chapter eight, verse six. All right, before we dive in, here's what we need to know. When Jesus was here on earth, he had no problem with having conversations because he loved to engage people with words and conversations. And even when he was engaged uh, with conversation, he even enjoyed having conversations with people who were totally against him, okay? He never shut them down. Like, he never, like, defriended them or hid their, like, feeds from his feet or anything like that. I mean, could you imagine, like, you go and tell your friends, like, hey, Jesus defriended me today, you know? I mean, how, like, awful would that be? Or he hid my posts, and now he's not following me in his feed any longer. So, you know, instead, people who were not like Jesus love Jesus. And um, in fact, those who were opposed to Jesus continued to come back and back and back in conversation with Jesus because they wanted to know the truth about God. They wanted to know the truth about Jesus. And he was so eager to engage them. And he wanted them to uh, know truth. And he talked plainly about truth. And so before we dive into like our main passage, uh, let me just set this one passage up. It's right near before Jesus dies, like he's sentenced to death. He's having this conversation with Pilate and this is so important. So we're gonna go to this and then we're gonna back up a little bit before that. And so here's this conversation that is so important for us to understand before we dive into this. And so here's Pilate talking to Jesus in verse uh, John chapter 18, verse 35. Uh, Pilate retorted, Uh, your own people and their leading priests brought you to me for this trial or for trial. So basically he's saying, hey, your Jewish religious leaders want you dead. Why? What have you done? And what Jesus says next is uh, what he had been accused of all along from the Jewish religious leaders, that he kept on equating himself, that he was saying that he was from God, but equal to God as well. And so Jesus answered, and this is so important, he says, my, my, that means ownership, my kingdom is not an earthly kingdom. If it were, my followers would fight to keep me from being handed over to the Jewish leaders, to even you. And so, but my kingdom is not of this world. Now, I think Pilate at that moment, he is so shocked with this truthful and just like confident answer from Jesus because he continues to engage in this conversation. Listen to what he says. Pilate says in verse 37, so you are a king. Jesus responded, you say I am a king. Basically, you're right, Pilate, I am. But here's what should get our attention next, okay? This is so important, don't miss this. Then Jesus says, actually, I was born. So that means he was fully human. 
and, and this is so important, don't miss this because he adds this. He says, and, and what's this word? Let's say these together, came into the world. Say it one more time, came into the world. That means there's something different there. Not only was he born, but what that means is he existed before he was born. That means he's claiming deity like he had all along the way with the Jewish leaders. And then there's something else important. He says to testify to the, and what's this word? Truth. To testify to the truth. Basically, I am here to present what is actually true of God and that his kingdom, our kingdom, is over all kingdoms. Now, I think this like blew Pilate away and made such an impression on him because instead of saying like, you're crazy and like signing his death warrant at that point, he starts to do something. He goes out and he defends Jesus and he does it several times. And this is what Pilate does. I mean, it's just mind blowing. Then Pilate went out to the Jews and to the religious leaders and the crowd. And he said to the people and told them, he is not guilty of any crime. Now, he would have went out there and thought if Jesus was crazy, like, this guy's crazy, here you go. But he didn't. He said, he is not guilty of any crime. Now, this is so important, okay? Because Jesus isn't just saying that he came with truth, okay? But he is saying that he embodies it. He is saying he is the truth. He is saying that he has come to the earth to basically see, uh, for all of us to see that he is the truth, of God and he gives us truth. So if Jesus is truth, that means something. That means that his words, his actions, the way he treats people, we should see truth in action, okay? And John, who is one of his closest uh, followers, one of the eyewitnesses, wrote down in the Gospel of John all these intricate and detailed personal conversations that Jesus had with people, and he saw truth lived out in front of him. And so that's what we're going to dig in today. We're going to look at two encounters today that are so important to see, does what Jesus say line up? with how he behaves. Does what Jesus say line up with how he behaves? So let's begin in chapter eight, all right? Jesus in this chapter has four major encounters. We're gonna focus on the first one and the last one, okay? If you've got time, I wanna encourage you, read the entire chapter. There's four encounters that the Jewish religious leaders come to Jesus and Jesus gives his viewpoint of truth. And it's so important, it's so defining. So let me set the scene of this first encounter. Okay, after three years of ministry, it's near the end of his death. We're backing up from Pilate in this conversation. It's one of the last times he visited Jerusalem before he came to the very end of Jerusalem and, and died. And so he's here. His uh, popularity is immense. Everyone, everyone is thinking that this guy is the Messiah. Surely he is the Messiah. And so at this point, he's in Jerusalem for the time of a major celebration. Don't miss this. This celebration is so important. The Feast of Tabernacles. What is that? It was a celebration to remember God saving the Jews from Egypt and out of slavery and saving them out of darkness. And also commemorate God leading them like a light into the wilderness for 40 years and providing for them and protecting them and saving them. And so just a beautiful picture of what God does. And so the Jewish leaders at this point, 
they are confronting Jesus for like the 80th time. I mean, it might even be like 150. I mean, they keep coming back and back and having conversation after conversation and trying to quiz him to death, okay? And their quizzes were a lot harder than mine, okay? And so Jesus is at this point, like he's out in front of large crowds because he knows that they are after him and it is time. They've tried to kill him before, but it's not time yet. And so the religious leaders, they are desperate. And they do something that's just horrible, okay? They find, they go out looking for a woman and they catch her in adultery. And they take this woman and they throw her out, probably half-dressed, probably throw her out in front of Jesus in this crowd and they say, hey, this woman has been caught in adultery. Like the law says to stone her. Jesus, what do you say? Now this was huge. I mean, this was like a major test. If Jesus at that point says like, hey, don't stone her, then they could have easily arrested him, taken him away. But if he says, yes, stone her, then the crowds would have been like, what have you been saying for three years? You've been painting this picture that God is love. What are you doing? You know these guys are up to no good. And so it's interesting what Jesus does. Like, where did the, what would Jesus do bracelet came from that Trent talked about? Like, Jesus didn't look down and say, hey, what would Jesus do? He's truth. And in this moment, he brings truth. Watch this, how powerful this is. They were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. They kept demanding an answer. So he stood up again and said, all right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crown with the woman. And the reason they left is that Jesus said a truth that they knew deep down that they were guilty of, you know? They knew that this particular sin could not only be done physically, but also that it could be done within the heart. And that's why the oldest left. They knew, they knew Jesus hit something within them that they were guilty of, that they were not without sin. And so Jesus' truthful words not only protected this woman, but it also saved them, the religious leaders, from doing something horrible. They had even bent the law to try to capture Jesus when you look into this text. And so Jesus correctly handles the situation from their evil intentions. Intentions. Continuing in verse 10, then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, neither do I. Go and sin no more. And Jesus forgave her and warned her to sin no more. Now, who is this? Who has the power to forgive sins? Who has the power to use truth like this? Who has the power to rescue these religious leaders from doing more harm? Who has the power to use truth like this to save this woman? He didn't like power up, you know? He didn't use crushing words. He didn't like zap these guys or anything like that. Instead, he used words of truth to bring freedom, to bring freedom. And so let's see how he continues to wield truth. 
And for whose sake? Because that's so important. Whose sake is he using truth for? So let's camp out now on this fourth encounter, okay? Now remember, again, the general public at this point, they're like saying, like, he's the Messiah. You know, he's the one who has come to save us from, our, from the darkness and from the imp- impression of the Rome and from these Pharisees who keep telling us, like, we're no good, okay? And so yet the Jewish leaders, they're standing around and they're saying like, hey, um, no, we don't think so, all right? And so again, for like the 84th time, they've already like quizzed him like massively the last three days. Again, they come at him and they're pressing Jesus, wanting to know the truth of who he is. So picking up in verse 31, again, Jesus is teaching in front of a large crowd. And Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Now again, the Pharisees, they interrupt. They say, but we are descendants of Abraham, they said. We, are, we have never been slaves to anyone. What do you mean you will be set free? Now, when the Pharisees say this, okay, that they haven't been slaves to anyone, that's a lie, all right? The Jewish people had been enslaved by the Egyptians. Isn't that the like celebration that they're celebrating, you know, at the conclusion of this massive celebration? And when you look throughout history, they had been under the oppression of many nations, the Assyrians, the Babylonians, and now they're under the oppression uh, to Rome, under Rome's iron fist. And so these leaders, they're just stuck. They're stuck. They're stuck in their thinking. And they thought they were right. And so they were so convinced, you know, they were so convinced that they were right, that they knew like that they were right with God because they were following all the rules and they were really good at it. And they were bragging to everyone pretty much in that day and age that like, look at us, we follow the rules, you don't, you'll never be, you know, right with God. They even got to the point where they started to make their own rules. They started to add to the rules, determining what was right and what was wrong. But who does that? Now, according to scriptures, and they knew the scriptures, it was God who determines what is right and what is wrong and not man. Now, we can't blame all of this on the Pharisees. Like, we can't pick on them, right? Because when we look at our own hearts, you know, we get off track, don't we? We start to kind of give half-truths in moments. We start to kind of, like, make things up or kind of put little things of, like, well, at least I'm not doing that. You know, I'm okay doing this. And so I know I've done that. I know that I've determined what is right and wrong. And that's something that God is addressing and has addressed. And he addresses in our lives. And he's addressing it with the Pharisees as well. And so let's continue on with this. And so what does Jesus do with these evil Pharisees? It's like, shh. I thought I could throw in a sound effect, you know? I mean, there's just moments where you can do that and uh, get away with it if you're a Star Wars fan. I mean, you've got to throw it in there, right? So anyways, so what does he do with these Pharisees? It's like, oh, they're horrible, right? And so verse 34, this is what he does. Jesus calls down lightning and wipes them out. Nope. He doesn't do that. Instead, he continues to have a conversation with them. For the 84th time, he continues to never give up on them. Isn't that what truth does? 
It never gives up. It's always hopeful, even for the hardest of the hard. So Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, everyone who sins is a slave of sin. Ooh, different world, right? A slave is not a permanent member of the family, but a son is a part of the family forever. So if the son sets you free, you are truly free. Now for the Pharisees at this point, they're like, Jesus, you're getting way too close again, okay? Like you're getting too close to home again. You know, they're like, wait a second, you just did this to us a few days ago. When we brought that woman in front of you, you started to address our hearts. Like, nope. That is the unseen, that is the invisible. You can't go there. Our hearts are off limits to you. But when Jesus talks about freedom, doesn't that do something even within our hearts? You know, when I read earlier in verse 32, and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Do you know how many people have quoted that? You're like, that sounds familiar. Well, where did that come from? It came from Jesus, you know? Isn't that what we long for? I mean, when we look at our hearts, we know that there is something that entangles it. We know that we might even call that like sin. That something just is a vice that just grips our lives and freedom sounds so good, so good. And that's what Jesus offers. He says, hey, you can find freedom from the thing that entangles you when you're in a relationship with me. But the Pharisees, unfortunately, wouldn't have that. And so they continue on. Verse 37, Jesus continues the conversation. I realize that you are descendants of Abraham. All right, I'm gonna give you credit on that. And yet some of you are trying to kill me. Like, I know, everyone knows this because there's no room in your hearts for my message. I am telling you what I saw when I was with my father before I came here. But you are following the advice of your father. Our father is Abraham, they declared. No, Jesus replied, for if you were really the children of Abraham, this is so important, you would follow, and what's this word, his? Say it again. Yeah, so when we read this, when you read about like Abraham and history, like these Jewish religious leaders are nothing like Abraham, okay? They were trying to murder Jesus. They had tried multiple times. Within that day, like a couple days ago, they tried to kill him. Now they're trying to kill him again. On the other hand, when you look at Abraham, he was called a friend of God. He experienced God's love. He listened He obeyed, he treated other people with love. And so if God is your father, you should look like your father. You should behave like your father. You look a lot like him. But that wasn't the case for the Pharisees. They were full of jealousy. They were full of hatred. They were full of murder. They tried several times. So let's continue, verse 40. Instead, you are trying to kill me because I told you the truth, which I heard from God. Abraham never did such a thing. No, you are imitating your real father. 
They replied, we aren't illegitimate children. God himself is our true father. Jesus told them, if God were your father, you would love me because I have come to you from God. I am not here on my own, but he sent me. Why can't you understand what I am saying? It's because you can't even hear me. And it's basically like this. Jesus is saying, hey, look, like it's been three years, three years that you have been investigating me. Like you have seen how many miracles that I have performed. You have seen how many people that I've healed. You've seen me teach from scripture how many times. You've seen me treat people with love and kindness and compassion. Like who do you think I am? Abraham knows who I am. Moses knows who I am. God the Father knows who I am. I am the light of the world. I am God himself. I am God in the flesh. I am here and I am having this conversation with you. Don't you see? Don't you see what I'm doing? And they didn't. They continue to remain stuck, but he didn't give up. He keeps talking to them. I mean, it's amazing. So you have to ask like, where's all this hate coming from, from these Pharisees, you know? I mean, what is it that's in their heart, okay? And so Jesus tells us, and I warn you, like you may not like it, okay? You might be like, oh, I'm not sure if I really believe in that. But if you love Jesus, you have to take everything he says, not just partially what he says. And so verse 44, he gets clear as day with these guys. Because this is like the hundredth time that they've had a conversation. And so verse 44, he says, for you are the children of your father. And what's that word? Uh, the devil. Don't use that at home, okay? If you're mad at your, your husband, don't say to your children, for you are the children of your father, the devil, okay? Don't use that. Not good, all right? Don't use that one at lunch, all right? <clears throat> but seriously, Jesus says, for you are the children of your father, the devil, and you love to do the evil things he does. He was a murderer from the beginning. He has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character for he is a liar and the father of lies. So when I tell you the truth, you just naturally don't believe me. Which of you can truthfully accuse me of sin? Pilate said, hey, I can't find anything wrong with this guy. He's done no wrong. And since I am telling you the truth, why don't you believe me? Jesus is saying, hey guys, the reason you don't recognize who I am is because there's a deceiver and you have bought into his lies and you have been influenced and you have been deceived by and you are under the power of the evil one. Now that was offensive to them. These are the top religious leaders of the day. And they had just said like, hey, we follow our father Abraham. And Jesus is going, Abraham ain't your father. The devil's your father. They didn't like that. But again, who wanted to kill Jesus? Who brought Jesus to Pilate? It was the Pharisees. And Pilate's assessment was, hey, he is not guilty of any crime. It's like this, back in the 1800s, okay? Uh, doctors and scientists, they were perplexed of like diseases. 
And they just thought like diseases like popped up. And this really brilliant guy named uh, Louis Pasteur uh, said, hey, here's a theory. I think there's an unseen invisible world and diseases, they travel. They travel by wind, they travel by human touch, they travel in food uh, that can be contaminated. They also like can be, remain on surfaces. And this is like before microscopes, okay? And so <clears throat> he says, this is like really dangerous, okay? And it's so dangerous that it endangers people's lives, endangers families. It can even endanger communities and it can even endanger the world as these diseases spread from one person to another. And back then he was ridiculed. He was made fun of. He was like, you are crazy. Now we know he's true. We all believe in germs. We all believe in the invisible. We all experience COVID. So Jesus is basically saying, hey, there is a spiritual world that you cannot see. And there is an enemy and he is after you to deceive you. He's there and he is spreading his lies. Let's continue. Then Jesus said, anyone who belongs to God, listens gladly to the words of God. That makes sense, right? But you don't listen because you don't belong to God. Now here's what Jesus believed, okay? And you don't have to believe this, all right? This is what he believed about the devil, okay? Jesus believed that there was an actual individual named the devil or Satan, Lucifer, okay? And this is what he believed about him. He believed that Satan's ultimate agenda is murder and that the destruction of human life. And he destroys human life through deception. Now, when you read scripture, it paints that picture. It seems like also though, there's a real sense that Satan's power is limited to deception. And he uses this power of deception to destroy lives, relationships, uh, marriages, of uh, father, child, mother, child, siblings, uh, any type of relationship because we mirror God's image. So he attacks it. And you see it all throughout history. You see it all throughout scripture. That's how he works. Now, ultimately, this is a great statement to sum up what Satan does. Satan loves to confuse the human mind to think what is right is actually wrong and what's wrong is right. Let me read it again. Satan loves to confuse the human mind to think what is right is actually wrong and what's wrong is right. Now we get this, okay? Um, when I was growing up in the 80s, 1982, my dad took um, our family to Poland and it was under communist control at that time. And we were greeted by AK-47s when we were getting off the plane. Like, how friendly is that? Welcome to our country, you know? And so when we were there, we ended up going and touring Auschwitz, okay? Now, Auschwitz is, was one of the German Nazis concentration camps for the Jews. It was like the worst of the worst camps. You got sent there and you did not make it out, okay? Now, when we were there, it's like, man, who could ever come up with a scheme like this? Who could ever fall for things 
like this. Who could ever, as we saw the places where they pulled up the train in cattle cars and put people in these cars like cattle, who could ever take them off the trains and say, the healthy ones go in this direction, the unhealthy ones go in this one, and this group, you're gonna get some showers. And they would put you into these rooms, these massive rooms and put shower heads in there. And today you can see the claw marks from people who actually were gassed to death in that chamber. Who does that? It's kind of like today, you know, whoever thought that Russia would be where it's at. For many of us that grew up in the Cold War, we thought surely Russia is defeated and yet they have attacked Ukraine and many people's lives have died. Who would have thought that we would say enough with dictators? Or what about closer to home? What about our schools? How many more school shootings do we really have to go through? How many times do we have to really go through one again and again, instead of saying and asking the tough questions, hmm, what is going on in our culture? And what is going on in our homes? Or what about human sex trafficking? How many more boys and girls have to be rescued out of slavery? that keeps pouring into this country. How many more lives? Whoever thinks that's right. That's what Jesus came to do, to set us free. He came to be truth because we're so easily deceived. And it could be any of us. It could be any of us. So this is Jesus' view of truth. There is an invisible spiritual world. Satan is real and he is the father of lies. And his primary tool he uses against us is deception. And one of the lies he tells us is what is true is only what we see. Jesus says, I am the truth. And when you enter into a relationship with Jesus, you will be set free from the power of sin and lies. There is an invisible world and it impacts every area of our lives. This invisible world, it impacts us relationally. It impacts us in our attitudes. It impacts our attitudes with morality and purity and our business and our finances and our marriages and so many things in our lives. And we get this, we get a glimpse of this. All of a sudden, you know, when we walk around, all of a sudden it's like, hey, I ran into that person. Oh my goodness, they're different. Like, it doesn't feel like they've been bogged down by the minefield or by the, you know, culture and they're making good decisions. They have an amazing marriage. Like they just feel like they're just confident. They just feel like they're just calm when their life should be falling apart because they just got a horrible diagnosis, but yet they're just calm. What do they have? And when you ask those people what they have, because it just seems like they've got a freedom, often, when we are following Christ, they have not been sucked into the deception of the evil one because they are following Jesus, who is the truth. And the truth will set you free. That's what he does. So, regardless 
of who you are, Jesus invites you to know him, who is the truth and who came to set you free. Today, you can embrace that. And this is how you do that. How do you follow and make Jesus like your truth source, okay? If you're a Christ follower and you have not made like Jesus or you've kind of fallen out of like making him your truth source, um, then dig into scripture, okay? Jesus had no problem with scripture. Like he knew scripture, he quoted scripture, he used scripture. God has given us scripture as our source of truth. He's given us his son, and he's given us all the truth that we need to navigate these times. And so if you haven't been in his word, I wanna encourage you, as you spend time, carve out, learn how to have a time with God each day, read his word, you will begin to look like him. And so I put on the spiritual growth challenge and you can download it as well if you're watching online. Like I put on there a challenge for the next four months, read through the four gospels of Jesus' life. Come face to face with the truth, with Jesus. Have a conversation with him. He wants to have a conversation with you. For others of you, uh, maybe you've been checking out this whole God thing and you're like, you know, I get it. Like there's something that just is entangling my heart. There's this hatred. There's this jealousy. There's just this anger that never goes away. How do I get freedom from that? Well, Jesus is extending his hand to you. He extends his hand to everyone and says, I am the truth. I am the way. I am the life. Come to me. And so how do we know like that happened? How do we know that like Jesus is the truth? Well, he kept saying to everyone that he was going to die and then come back to life from the dead. And guess what happened? Hundreds and hundreds of people saw him die and hundreds and maybe even thousands saw him come back to life from the dead. It was something that happened. That's what we would expect from someone who claims to be the truth. And so if that's you today and you want to put your faith and make Jesus your Lord and Savior and have your sins forgiven, you can. Jesus did that with the woman. He can do that for you. He's done that for many of us in this room. And so today we're going to end in prayer and then we're gonna sing this song. And this song is powerful. The song that we're gonna sing is Great Are You, Lord. And I just want us to think about him as our truth and praise him for being the source of our truth during this song. And so just let it out and praise him and say, thank you. Thank you for giving us the truth to help us in this time where there's so much division, there's so much strife, there's so much evil. As things grow darker, we can shine lighter for him. So let's go ahead and pray. Father, we thank you for today. Jesus, we thank you for how much you gave up to come to this world. You are in a perfect relationship with your heavenly father and with the Holy Spirit. And you came to show us clearly the truth. There's someone in this room right now that knows that their life is entangled. They've known it. 
This is like the 50th time that they've been confronted with this. May they not dig in their feet. So if that's you and you're ready for the first time ever to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sins, then I'm gonna say a prayer right now and you just talk to God in a conversation. You talk to Jesus and you simply say, Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Thank you for coming to this world. Thank you today for showing me what's on, what's wrong in my heart. Would you forgive me of my sins? I believe you came back to life from the dead. Would you save me and be my Lord and Savior? Without anybody looking, if you just prayed that, would you just raise your hand? Right now, we want to celebrate that. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Keep them raised. There are a lot of people. That's awesome. Way to go. That is great. Thank you. So, Father, as we enter in this time of praise, you are in control of this world. You, your kingdom is over all the kingdoms. May we reflect your character. May we have conversations instead of beating people over the head with truth. You always showed people love and compassion. You showed that to us. May we show that to others. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.